Life Audio. Today we're talking about this idea of how righteousness and peace go together, and they really become the building blocks of the kingdom of God, and they have a relationship to each other. So I want you to stay tuned. We're going to go through Psalm 85 today after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going through Psalm 85, and we're going through one psalm a day. We're doing a devotional reading of the psalms, not to replace your Bible reading, but to supplement it. I think sometimes we can go through these passages of scripture when we're reading them on our own and just skip over some really valuable pieces of the history and the culture that just add so much richness to what we're reading. So that's really my goal is to bring some of that stuff to life for you. I'm reading from the NIV starting in verse one. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in your land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. So Psalm 85 is a community lament, and it is a review of the work that God has done in Israel. In verses 1 through 3, is that's what we see. And then there's this displeasure on the behalf of Yahweh towards the people in verses 4 through 7. And then a celebration of the personal attributes of God in 9 through 13. And what we see coming out of this is a portrait of the exile. And it presents a picture of God's kingdom and how that kingdom is eternal. 
So many scholars believe that this psalm has to be viewed against the background of Isaiah 40 through 55. And if you remember, and if you don't, you can go through and read, but it celebrates the return of Israel from that Babylonian exile. So remember, we started off reading about a lot of Psalms that were written when they were in that exile, but this one is celebrating their return from the exile. So again, if you don't remember, the Israelites had been in Babylon, they had been taken as exiles and they had lived in in this place and now they are returning and we see um several psalms that there's three of them actually three of the chorus psalms that are kind of like a collection that talk about the theme of god's goodness so we're going to be talking about god's goodness in in this psalm and if you think about this in terms of the context of the babylonian exile it's really kind of spectacular to see that they're talking about God's goodness despite the circumstances they've just come out of. And I I think that is such a good and powerful example for us as well. I love what we see in verse 2. It says, You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. Iniquity is another word for sin. And so it's these two images of forgiveness that we see. um, And this idea of forgiveness, which means to lift up, to bear. So that's the idea of bearing one's burden of sin. And the Lord did that, but then also he covered their sin, which means he made them invisible. I I just love that picture that we see there. And then when it talks about in verse 3 about from your fierce anger, that's a phrase that occurs in the Song of Moses back in Exodus chapter 32. And it's the suggestion that Israel... in just like it did during Moses' time, endured God's, I guess, disfavor, because it wasn't favor, it was the disfavor, so the opposite of favor, um, or maybe, I guess, displeasure would be a good word. And we don't know exactly why, like it doesn't specifically say why in this psalm, but we know that divine anger is also a way of describing the exile. We see that in Zechariah 1. So they're, they've gone through this season of experiencing God's displeasure with them, but yet they're still extolling the forgiveness and how God covers and forgives their sins. There's this idea of restoration in verse 4, and that verb, when it says restore us again, that verb, shub, it that's the word shub, it occurs three times. And that's translated basically to, again, like in the sense of like turning away again. And there's a different nuance that's used there, but I think it's talking about how they are restoring to their sin and they're returning to their sin. And God has to keep restoring them and returning them to righteousness. And how, I mean, maybe we can't necessarily relate to this idea of Babylonian exile, but we can relate to this idea of returning to our sin again and again and needing restoration again and again. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, like every single time I lose my temper, 
every single time I, I do that, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, I don't, I don't want to be this person. I don't want, and I don't do it very often now, but of course we're human. And I just like, think like, why can't I just not be this way? And yet what we see throughout humanity is this is a common, common thing. Now they're talking about much, much bigger sins as far as the whole nation of Israel. But I think we all struggle with that from time to time where we need that restoration again and again. I think it's important to point out that, you know, like in verse six, it says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? When God's people have this sense of spiritual dryness or emptiness, it's right for us to pray that God will revive us both individually and as a group. I think that is an important prayer, even just within a community of believers, if there is a sense that there's some dryness or emptiness as a church body that is a very important way to pray for this renewal for this revivement of this restoration because salvation and spiritual life are completely dependent on God's mercy and his forgiveness and his power and the spirit it's the spirit that's life-giving and to experience these things even though those are God-given experiences we have to desire to do God's will and to accomplish his desires and purposes in our lives. You know, he is, God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody, but he longs to indwell those that are seeking him. And I think if we are in a season where we are experiencing spiritual dryness, spiritual emptiness, we first have to look to what maybe is causing that. And is it because we're not accomplishing the things that God desires and purposes for our lives? Is there sin? Or maybe isn't there sin necessarily like, okay, you're out going out and, you know, actually actively engaging in sin, but is there a sin of disobedience to what God has called you to do or how he's called you to act? Or maybe it's tithing or maybe it's serving or depending on, you know, this can look a lot of different ways depending on the season of your life you're in. Or maybe it's doing devotions with your kids or praying with your husband. I mean, there's a lot of different things that God calls us to in order to have a full relationship with him and those around us. And so maybe there's a level of disobedience in our lives that is becoming this roadblock for us to, to be able to fully experience God's presence. And so when we pray, there should be this honesty, this humbleness, because it should be a confession of really the poverty, the spiritual poverty that we have without him. And we have to pray that God will revive us. And what I love about this is God longs to indwell and empower those that are seeking him. But the key is, is we have to seek him. And I do hear that a lot. I mean, that's part of my whole ministry where women say like, I just don't hear God's voice. Well, while I can give you all the tools to help you hear God's voice, there is an element of your disobedience or your sin that will keep you from hearing him fully. And I can't do that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. That has to be something that you take ownership of and you recognize and you come to him on your own. In verse 11, it says, I am poor and needy. And I think that's important because God will hear our prayer that is offered out of this place of hardship and need and desperation and humility. And and what we see is that he takes a special care of his people that are broken and needy and dependent on him. You know, there's a difference between needy 
and being dependent in our neediness on him. I think we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we'll finish up this psalm. Stay tuned. I want to point something out about this coupling of the idea of righteousness and peace. And um, we see throughout the scriptures and throughout the Psalms, the joining of love and faithfulness. But the coupling of righteousness and peace is really appropriate. And that's because righteousness is first and foremost associated in the scriptures with social justice. And so we've been talking about social justice this week in Deuteronomy we, it uses that word, and the word tra- is translated as justice. And that is also the same word for righteousness. And so the word peace means wholeness or well-being. The word prosperity would mean social well-being. And so in different places you see it di- translated differently, but it's the same word. And that same word is translated as peace here. So what we learn is that peace, which is wholeness, or well-being results when righteousness, which is justice, social justice, prevails. I think that's really important. And this was a concept that was known throughout the ancient, you know, throughout the ancient nations in in the ancient Near East, because there was the the pairing of these two concepts that was also common to like the the Egyptians, where they expressed this combination. It was actually one word for them. And that one word was a natural order of the universe because it was the way things ought to be. And so it can be translated order or justice, but it really embraces social justice, which is what's going to lead to a prosperous life for the community. And so this isn't just a biblical concept. This is a cultural concept that the ancient Egyptians recognize, other ancient Mesopotamian nations recognize, scripture recognizes, but yet sometimes we forget about it. We forget that we can't just overlook these areas of social justice and then expect to have peace in our community. And, you know, even I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but even in the area of abortion, as believers, we are celebrating that in our country, abortion is no longer the law of the land. That took an incredible amount of planning and and foresight and um, God's hand to, to be able to have that happen. However, that also presents this problem in many of our cultures and our society where there's a lot of unwanted babies. If they're not being aborted, then what happens to those babies? That is where the church needs to step up with pregnancy support centers and foster and adoption care and all of these other like supportive ministries, supportive services that, that need to help. Because the reality is, is it's not just going to change within one generation. It's not that all of a sudden these young women are going to stop getting pregnant. But if abortion is no longer an option for them, what are we doing to support them? And believe me, don't mistake me saying that I'm pro-abortion. I'm absolutely not. I'm I, I'm 100% rejoicing that this was overturned. But I don't think that that's the end of the story. I don't think that as a church or as a body of believers, we can just say, oh, great, Roe v. Wade was overturned. You know, you know, wipe our hands of it and, you know, our job is done. Absolutely not. Our job is just beginning. 
And we should have been doing that from the very beginning, but we, we have slacked off. And so, you know, that I'll get off my soapbox with that, but there are these social justice areas that we will not have peace unless we address these. And so that righteousness, that social justice is connected to peace in our culture and our community. So I guess maybe the encouragement there is how can you be a part of these social justice issues? Um, when there are a lot of overdoses in your community, it leaves children without parents or children of trauma or children that are growing up and they're not able to get a good education. There will not be peace until we address these social issues. And that really is the job of the church, the, the global church, not just your church, but us as the body of believers. We should be stepping in to help support and deal with some of these social justice justice areas. Down in verse 12, it talks about what is good. And God's gift of the good is really this undercurrent that is present throughout his entire kingdom, his intention. And so it's God's nature, his good nature that he has placed within his kingdom as a kingdom principle that his goodness describes the blessing of being in his kingdom. And then lastly, down in 13, righteousness, it talks about how righteousness prepares the way for his steps. And so now we see this path that God walks is prepared by righteousness. But we're thinking about this in terms of what does righteousness mean? Well, we just learned that righteousness means social justice. And so if he's walking the same path that is a description for the redeemed, that Isaiah says is for the redeemed, who are returning to Zion and returning to being restored, we have to understand that God walks the path that he has prepared for his people, but that includes social justice. It includes us as the body of believers caring about the things that God cares about. In the eternal kingdom, there will be peace because there will not be these things that even need social justice. And I, I, I long for that day But when we are talking about these kingdom concepts, when we pray, Lord, may may your kingdom come here on earth. Well, part of the way that we do that is by addressing some of these issues that are keeping us from experiencing God's peace now. So I pray that that is maybe even just a little bit convicting for you so that you can start to understand we can't just pray for peace and expect it to happen. We have a responsibility as le- as believers to to act in a way that will usher in that peace because the two are connected. All right, given that insight, I'm going to go back and start reading at verse 1. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all the generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. God, help us to recognize that righteousness prepares 
the way for your steps. That that what true righteousness means in the biblical sense in, in this chapter is talking about this idea of justice, social justice, and how we can't ignore the problems within our culture and expect us to have peace. So Lord, I pray um, for my friends that there would be perhaps some things that they're feeling convicted of, God, that you would bring to the surface, that you would bring to the light, that we can't just expect you just to miraculously take care of everything without doing our part. God, that you have enabled us to step into some of those roles, to make a difference, to actually act like the church and step up and step into those areas that we've long left to the government, that they've, that they've failed, that we have long left to somebody else to do that has been a failure. God, convict your church. Convict your church in a way that we would rise up and do something about all of these issues within this area of social justice that are plaguing our, our community. God, help us not to sit idly by and not just to pray for somebody else to get involved, but, but convict us and show us if we are feeling this burden that we should be the ones that are, are getting involved and, and working on behalf of ushering in righteousness your kingdom now. God, show us for the ways that we can get involved and do that, whether it's missions or whether it's the local pregnancy center or whether it's a local foster and adoption or a food pantry or homelessness or any of the other things that just break your heart. God, help those things to break ours. We thank you that you're a God that opens our eyes and helps us to see the things that are on your heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, before we go, I want to remind you that I do one-on-one spiritual direction and life coaching. So if you're finding yourself in a place where you are maybe struggling with some of the things that we've been teaching, or you want to go a little bit deeper, or you're just longing for some spiritual growth, or you just need somebody to pray with you or to give you some insight, some objective insight or accountability on a situation, I'm your girl. So you can schedule those at my website at shehears.org on the section that says work with me. I'd love to chat with you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.